The Lord be with you. And with your spirit. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to John. Glory to you, O Lord. Jesus said to his disciples, I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine grower. He takes away every branch in me that does not bear fruit. And every one that does, he prunes, so that it bears more fruit. You are already prunes because of the word that I spoke to you. Remain in me, as I remain in you. Just as a branch cannot bear fruit on its own unless it remains on the vine, so neither can you unless you remain in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever remains in me and I in him will bear much fruit. Because with me, you can do nothing. Anyone who does not remain in me will be thrown out like a branch and wither. People will gather them and throw them into a fire and they will be burned. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, Ask for whatever you want, and it will be done for you. By this is my Father glorified, that you bear much fruit and become my disciples. The Gospel of the Lord. morning everybody god is good so just uh, before we dive into these life-changing readings some great announcements uh, we just received a letter from the bishop or email from the bishop's office uh, as covid tends to, to wane the restrictions that are especially at mass are beginning to loosen so you may notice uh, our holy water is now back so remember that beautiful customer right? dip our finger into holy water made that beautiful sign on the cross so that's back we have the holy water back and also, we don't want to have to sign in anymore, and so we don't have to do the whole contact tracing. And then also, we're allowed to have missalettes again back in the pews. And so I'll make an order, hope whenever they get back in, so we'll start having missalettes back in the pews. So you actually start following the readings. And then also know how to sing the responsorial psalm. You know, oftentimes we hear it, we've got to try to mimic it through our ears, and it's hard. We don't have the notes in front of you. So, so praise the Lord, and thank God that COVID is waning in our nation. So, so good. Life's getting back to normal. That's good. But let's pray. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. So yesterday at Mass was a glorious, glorious, glorious day. Uh, we had three couples that I've been privileged to, to preside over their wedding yesterday. They were present at Mass. Of course, Annie and, and was there. And another family was there, Shayla and her husband, Nathan, the Blahos family, and the Miller family. And so I married them maybe the last three years or so. And it was amazing because now they're bringing their kids to church. And so it's cool to see them at, at the altar. And then now they're pregnant. And then the babies are coming out. And so it's always fun. And we were also there because Sean and Zoe, they come all the way from Sparks to come to Mass here, by the way. Because they hear about my short homilies. So they want to get over here. So short sermons. Good. Beautiful. So they come all the way out here to come to join us for Mass. 
We baptized their second baby. And it was a beautiful occasion. So prior to the baptism, I was at their house in Sparks. They invited me for dinner because they had tacos. And if you have tacos for dinner, I'll be at your house 20 minutes early. So tacos. So we were just sitting there, and I was just talking to him. And his wife had a break, had a, had a break Zoe. So she went to join the ladies at her friend's house. And it was just myself and Sean. And so we just started speaking man to man. Spiritual conversation. Because as you know, as a young father, think of you when you had your first kids. When you first have a kid, you start to worry about things that you never worried about before. Because you're bringing life into the world now, then all of a sudden you start to see all these issues which could affect your family. And so I asked Sean, what's your greatest fear now as a father? God has given you a two-year-old. Now, Elijah, whom we baptized yesterday, just less than a year old, little, little baby, screaming like crazy during a baptism. Good name, because his name's Elijah, which is one of, the, one of the powerful Old Testament prophets. So he was, truth was his namesake. So as a young father, what's your greatest fear? As you look now at the tra- trajectory of our world and our culture. He said, Father, you know, I fear as a young father trying to raise a family. He says, I worry about Catholic families and how we will stay faithful to the Lord. I said, why? Because you think about it now. Examine all of your lives and the people that we're surrounded with, work, family, our neighborhood, our neighbors. How many of them are devout followers of Jesus Christ? A fraction of them. Broaden that out. We are now in a post-Christian culture. Post meaning it's moved beyond Christianity now. And and we're we're in the remnants of a civilization which used to be Christian. And he sees these trends because if if I'm, here I am, this is Sean now speaking, if I am a father and I'm trying to raise my kids in the faith, trying to stay faithful to the commandments of the Lord, what are my odds when the entire culture, the people that I surround myself with, are not disciples of Jesus Christ? So he sees the writing on the wall. How can I stay faithful? Because, my brothers and sisters, we're not by ourselves. We are the product of, a, of, of the milieu that surrounds us. And we're influenced by everything and the values And so how can I, as a faithful father, as a Catholic man, as a father and a husband, how do I stay faithful to the commandments of the Lord when I'm drowning in a culture which does the opposite? The answer is in the gospel today. I am the vine, Jesus says. You are the branches. Remain in me as I remain in you. You know the beautiful context of this? So listen again, listen to the reading from the first century perspective and then the details begin to just jump out. The Lord uses this analogy as as him being the, the vine, true vine, a grape vine. After he just taught the disciples about the Last Supper. That's the context of this analogy. 
They had just celebrated the Last Supper here. The first Mass. What happened at the Mass? Remember, so now picture this. The disciples are surrounded at the Last Supper. They're in Jerusalem. The 12 are there. Jesus now takes bread. This is my body. This is given up for you. You know the line. And then he takes the chalice. He says, this, the fruit of the vine, the grape vine. This is my blood. The blood of the new covenant. Do this in remembrance of me. The very commands of what we have now as Christian worship. He gives them the instruction. So after he just gives them that, then he says to them, then the analogy comes in here. They have just celebrated the first mass. So he tells them, remain in me as I remain in you. I am the vine. You are the branches. Do you see the connection that they're they're already immediately making? To remain in Christ, I must partake in the Eucharist, the Mass. Now, brought in the concept even more. The Last Supper is done precisely through a Passover. The Passover was one of the three major Jewish festivals where every Jew had to return to Jerusalem on pilgrimage. Remember, what does the Passover commemorate? The Passover commemorates that pivotal event when Moses leads the Jewish people out of slavery from Egypt. And they would lead now into the desert for 40 long years. It was that pivotal moment of Passover where God definitely unites the Jewish people around himself. God, who frees them from slavery, gives them the Ten Commandments and leads them to the Promised Land. It was a pivotal moment by which they were created as a a family. That's Passover. And so, on on the night of Passover, as we have in the Last Supper, every Jew went to the temple to offer sacrifice. What's the big deal about that? Remember, put our Jewish lenses on. Every Jew, when you would go to the temple to offer your Passover sacrifice, you would walk into the temple, and the main archway of the Jewish temple, there was a huge sculpture there, which everybody had to walk under. It was made out of pure gold. It was a huge sculpture of a grapevine. And this grapevine, which was glimmering in the, in, the, in the desert sun, would have been absolutely marvelous and glorious. And it's said that we have the first century accounts. The size of the grapes clusters was the size of a grown man in the sculpture. It was huge. It was massive. And so, again, now remember, the Last Supper, Jesus in this analogy as being the vine, we the branches. Every Jew would have immediately known and walked underneath this archway of gold, of grapes. Because what happens in the temple? The sacrifice of the lamb, the Passover, which takes away our sins. Christ now, jump to Christ in the context of the Last Supper. I am the lamb. My sacrifice now, which was commemorated at every single Catholic Mass, where I make myself present in the Holy Eucharist, in the bread and the wine, by which the covenant is renewed and participated in. This is how I will unite my people. I am the vine, you are the branch. And notice the next line. Apart from me, you can do nothing. Apart from this beautiful sacrament of mass and the graces that flow forth with from it, 
is the source and summit of our faith. It then isn't any wonder that when our enemies try to attack the church, it will always attack the mass first. Right now, our nemesis, as I've preached about before, is communist China. For the next 50 years, that will be our global competitor. It remains to be seen who will win. China is very intelligent. They, they, they read history. They understand history. And they know immediately that their greatest enemy is not the United States, by the way. You know who their greatest enemy is? Christianity. Because they see exactly what happened to the Soviet Union. The Soviet Union, you know what happened to them, who's responsible for nearly 100 million deaths. By the way, quote that number. You know, people often say, oh, Christianity and religion is the cause of all the wars of, of, of history. <laughs> Fraction. Communism itself caused 100 million deaths. The last, one century alone. The Soviet Union, Ronald Reagan even said it himself, that it was the Catholic Church which was instrumental in bringing it down, that demonic ideology. Because of the spark that John Paul II did in Poland, the spark of Poland when he visited there caused a downfall like dominoes, like a rotten dominoes, bringing down the Soviet Union. Communist China is a direct descendant of them. So China knows this. And so China knows, in order to compete on the world stage, attack Christianity at its heart. How do they do that? China just released new laws about the function of Christianity in their nation a couple years ago. You know, at this very moment, it is illegal for us to catechize anyone under 18 in China. We cannot have catechesis there. Why is that? Think about it. Why would they outlaw catechizing anybody under 18? Because they know that if we can't teach the faith, the next generation is ready to be indoctrinated, aren't they? China now also outlaws the fact of buildings. If our church was in China right now, you know what they would do? They would sever the cross on top of our building. Tear down our tower. They understand their biggest enemy is us. So they will do everything to stamp down our faith. Attack the mass. Our enemies will always do that. Because they even our enemies understand the true vine. 304. The Emperor Diocletian now reigns in Rome. He's outlawed our faith. And notice the parallel between communist China and this idea. Notice the parallel. Which, by the way, I have extreme hope that we will win this battle, by the way. China will collapse because they're built on a on a on anthropology which is absolutely abhorrent to human nature. You cannot meet on Sundays, Diocletian told us. You cannot have scripture. By the way, in China, they're rewriting sacred scripture to use publicly in, the, in, in their state-approved churches. They approve our liturgical books there. Thirdly, you cannot have buildings. In the year 304, in the city of Antien, this is modern-day Tunisia, there were, it was on a Sunday, the Roman legionaries burst into a very wealthy Christian home. 
by the man of the name of Octavius Felix. What a great Roman name, isn't it? So dramatic, Octavius Felix. It's more dramatic than Bob. (laughs) They burst into his home, and 49 Christians were there in mass. Arrested them all. They dragged them out of that home, the Christian home, where they were having the Holy Mass there. And they bring them in front of the proconsul, the Roman governor at that time period. The Roman governor said to them, How dare you defy the emperor? We told you you can't meet for mass. You can't have scriptures. You can't meet in buildings. Echo the church now in China. How dare you defy Xi Jinping and the Communist Party? We told you you can't catechize anybody under 18. You can't have scriptures. You can't meet in buildings. Same thing. 1,700 years later. And when the proconsul asked him that question, a Christian man stood up, a man by the name of Emeritus, looked at the proconsul and said, Sine Domenico non possumus. Without Sunday, we would die. Do you think they read this gospel? (laughs) Absolutely. You see, in our age, it isn't a communist party that will affect us. See, our great challenge in Western civilization is secularism. Charles Taylor, he's a a great intellectual, solid, devout Catholic man. He's a professor in Canada. He wrote a powerful book called The Secular Age, and he speaks about the great challenge. See, secularism and the ideology of communism has something in very, which unites those two ideologies. They're both godless. And Charles Taylor perfectly hits a nail on the head of what we're undergoing. He says, in Western civilization, we're undergoing a new experiment. When I say Western civilization, I'm speaking of United States, Canada, Western Europe, that, that, whole, that whole culture, the Western civilization. And he says, what we're doing now is a great experiment. That for the first time in human history, Our civilization is trying to live a life without a transcendent reality. See, prior to our civilization, prior to the last couple hundred years, every culture, every nation, every civilization recognized that there was a transcendent reality to their existence. And in order for them to be happy, they had to pursue that transcendent reality. But now what we're undergoing, what secularism is doing It's saying you don't need any transcendent reality to be happy. Again, stuff your face with the money, power, pleasure, honor. See, this is, which is why, again, we all feel this. Sunday is not important. Mass is not important. Which is why, again, remember I quoted that study a couple weeks ago, how a new study came out saying for the first time in the United States history, Christian identification as participating in a, an official Christian body has dropped to 50, less than 50%. The first time in our human history. So our civilization, for the first time, this is the grand experiment that we're, most of us are living our lives as if there's no transcendent reality. Do you see what secularism is doing? It's attacking the desire to go to mass, the very vine, because it's all strategy from the evil one. If I can inculcate within you that mass is not important, 
that the center of your life is no longer God, the source of which everything comes from, what replaces that? Money, power, honor, pleasure. My ego replaces that. And then what happens? We're going to fall apart. My brothers and sisters, I know my homily is too short. You and I need to live this out. The majesty, the beauty, the reverence of the Holy Mass and reclaiming Sunday. This is what built this massive edifice of Christian civilization for 2,000 years. This is what held us together. You and I, the faithful remnant. Do you know what mass attendance is in the United States? Numbers? 25%. Europe is at 11. I don't don't lay this out to make you depressed. No. Because at the end of the day, none of us caused this to happen. It's a church that we've inherited at this point in history. Just like we could have been alive in the year 304 on the Diocletian. No. That was their challenge then. This is our challenge now. We must be faithful to the Lord and to live our Catholic faith as heroic. And that's what I reminded Sean over tacos. That's our great challenge. It's not the Communist Party, but rather this insidious idea which which says you don't need God. And to that I respond, I am the vine, you are the branches. Remain in me as I remain in you, and you will bear much fruit. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit.